I heard about the chickens clucking in the hen house. One man. The dad. One woman. The mom. Battling the forces of evil. We're fighting against the dark night with the white light. And armor that shines bright. And our weapons are truth and life. Ascribe and declare. Welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. Or good Good night. If you're a late owl, maybe you're a trucker listening to this. Apparently, we put people to sleep. (laughs) We better not. I hope that, yeah, shout out. Shout out to some people who might have fallen asleep listening to us. Yeah. (laughs) Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically speaking, he said that he had the podcast on playlist or whatever and uh, woke up at like three in the morning to my voice (laughs) back on the old podcast, The Intentional Christian. Good morning. I wonder what kind of (laughs) dreams that would create where you're aware of your surroundings, you're sleeping. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, Miranda. Yeah. I found an awesome clip that I think you can appreciate. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested. Let's hear it. All right. Here it is. You recommend what? Goat meat. Goat meat? Oh, really? Oh, huh. Here's the thing about goat meat, which is the most eaten meat in the world, but, you know, they don't like it here because it's associated with minorities and it's got all kinds of bad Really? Goat meat. Goat meat. (laughs) I would would like to know how it was prepared. (laughs) Yeah. He actually explains the clip is like three minutes and Uh, I didn't want to play the whole thing and bore everybody. You would find it interesting, so I'll show it to you later, but... Um, yeah, one of the podcasts I was listening to because they travel a lot. He said, oh, and he recommended it. So what's yeah. your take on that? It smells like goat. <laughs> it tastes like goat. <laughs> Would you say that it has a mild, medium, or pungent aroma or flavor? Uh, I mean, the flavor is kind of medium, maybe. Okay. But I wouldn't say pungent. That's strong. The smell, the maybe. The smell is pungent. Yeah, the smell. And that stays with you for... Would you say it's like this? Goat is like the mildest, tastiest version of lamb you can imagine. It has no <laughs> mutton qualities whatsoever. It's very mild. It goes into stew, stews and all kinds of things. You can do a lot with it. It's a great product and it's underappreciated. Yeah. What do you think? Underappreciated? No, <laughs> Should we be I, eating it in America? I think I disagree. <laughs> well, like I said, I'd be interested to hear, yeah, yeah, how it's prepared. Because yeah, we've eaten a lot of goat. Yeah, we were missionaries in Africa, and I will say, okay, besides when they boil it, it's horrible. It's so tough, you can't it's, even chew it. It's literally like eating rubber. Mm-hmm. Um, they boil it, and if they boil it quickly, it's worse. If they boil it like all day long. Then it becomes yeah. incredibly tender and it's still good, but it's still flavorless. Not flavorless. Well, it has no <laughs> uh, no flavor that's good. <laughs> but then there is one way to cook it that I thought was amazing. Okay. And it will only happen maybe like once I can remember. And that was we took, we were actually, there's like when the Africans build their houses, they build it basically by rooms. Like so. The Tanzanians at least. Yeah, sorry, the Tanzanians that we in our village, they build like maybe the living room and maybe a bedroom and then they build a courtyard and then they kind of build rooms out there around the courtyard. So a kid's bedroom might be outside and then over in a different room. 
And sometimes they use those to hold grain and things like that. And one of them, the practically the whole thing, we cleared it out and we put coals down because we were making goat for like tons of people. And mm-hmm. we made big fires and then we let them all boil down to coals. And then we put, we just laid metal grates over the top of the coals. And then we took the goat and we covered it in salt. And they just hacked it, you know, of course with a machete. Yeah. And there's bone chunks and bits and pieces of everything in there. And then everything. they just laid the slab over the coals. It was like grilled goat. Yeah. And we just roasted it. And that was phenomenal. And I'm not just saying that because I was mm. out in Africa eating And you dirt. hadn't eaten real meat for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. It mm. was delicious. I loved it. Well, good. But that's the only example I have of good goat. Yeah, that's few compared to how much goat we've eaten. Yeah. But to be fair, they they probably cook it a lot different here in America, and uh, these guys probably have put money. Yeah. They probably go to like some gourmet. Raising goats is becoming yeah. a thing. Like, yeah, it's becoming more popular. Yep, they're so annoying. Sell them to the smallies. You'll have a big market. Yeah, we had a goat that Tyler named Butchered. You remember that? Yeah, Butchered the goat. <laughs> we <laughs> and Matt thought it was super cool. Only it would like jump on our car, and then our door never shut all the way, and it would be like. We literally would say, oh, the goat is in the kitchen again. <laughs> like, it would just come in the house all the time. That oh, it was so annoying. That was so annoying. Yeah, that made, living in Africa made us kind of hate goats. Uh, yeah, like, not kind of. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. So did you know, total change of subject. Yep. Did you know that Jared, the subway guy, is in prison? <laughs> no. <laughs> like... <laughs> He was sentenced for 15 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So the reason I know. Okay. So pretty much, unfortunately, he's like a pedophile. Um, Oh. His psychologist said that his overeating addiction since he got healthy was changed to other addictions. Oh. It's, It's horrible. But the funny thing that caught my attention is that he's trying to compare his case to Larry Nassar. Okay. In defense that he should be released. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my so goodness. He's saying that so Larry Nasser was charged in a different way because he traveled. And part of part of the Well, was Jared's like child porn on yeah, the computer kind of yeah, deal and, or was it physical? And crossing state lines with physical implications and all that. Oh. So what he's saying is well Larry Nasser traveled for his job, so he wasn't he wasn't charged with crossing state lines to pursue minors. Oh, so he's saying, man. yeah, so that's what I was doing. I was traveling because this was my job for promoting Subway and all of this. And so that's why I was traveling and crossing state lines. So he thinks it should just be dropped and he should just like. He should just be judged by his state's regulations. Or, yeah, I don't know. Oh. Or however they did Larry Nassar's or in each state. But it's hilarious. Like, you're going to use the guy who was just sentenced for 175 years to prison as your reason for being released. Like, I found that. Inconceivable! That is just nuts. Oh, yeah. So the next time you get yourself into a pickle. (laughs) I've been waiting to use that jingle forever, so that's just He's got himself there. That is nuts. Yeah, so I just thought, oh, that's people and their... Twisted thinking. No oh, kidding. Man. Yeah. And then this this thing happened this week or in the last week or so. Um, this Norway couple, I don't know if you saw that, Leif Christensen and his family 
basically being attacked and they they yeah. took the kid away because they're homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Their child was being bullied in school. They pulled them out to homeschool. There's no regulations against homeschooling, quote unquote, <laughs> yeah, in crazy. Norway. And yet they're going after this kid. They went a week without seeing their child. I can't imagine that. And what what really caught people's attention was that the fact that they po- they posted video of wall their kid was being taken away. So I just wanted to play a couple clips of it. Somebody please help our family. Bernavern is here in our home, and they're trying to take my son. I'm Canadian. My son's just run away. There's police over there trying to find my son. Can please some people please help? <laughs> I need people to help. There's my son. Kai. There's police chasing him. Now all we've done is try to be in Norway and live peacefully. This oppressive state is chasing after our son. And he's done nothing. He doesn't want to go anywhere. Look what you're doing. You leave him alone. He has done nothing. You leave him alone. Can somebody please help us? Help! There's police. Bernabarn is stealing our child. Yeah. Well, and the video shows, too, they actually, like, tackle and pin the 12-year-old boy down. Yeah. I. It just gets me because our country is not that far away. If Hillary was voted in or some other person that is 100% against homeschooling, this is what they want. And I have another clip of her because they're all, they're all for human rights and social justice. Yet if it's a white family that's heterosexual, man and woman with children, there is absolutely no tolerance for that. And she because calls them out. Because we want to homeschool. Oh, wrong clip. I have no human rights as a woman in this country. I have no human rights. Where's all the feminists in all this? Where are the women who are standing up for other women? And no, we need to talk about, that's the Barnabarn guy there. My son is not under arrest. Like she says, where are the women's rights? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Where are all these people fighting for social justice? Yeah. Or for you to value your own values yeah and to be able to have the freedom to do that yeah here's the third clip i have that i just kind of cut out about their homeschooling because we want to homeschool we don't want him he has had death threats at this osgard school in Oz. and i just have just one and the article we have the article here that was done by christian post yeah there's an organization step up for children's rights that assures that there is no element of violence, maltreatment, or drugs or sexual abuse associated with the family's case. They've been looking into it. Uh-huh. There's nothing wrong with this family. The only reason provided in the court documents for taking the son was that he, he was homeschooled. Yeah. And then she says, it will be very emotional to see our son. We have not seen him in a week It's like they just pulled the kid out. Like, okay, we're taking you away from the family. You're in another country. I can't imagine. Um, But this is not the first time. Uh, On December, another family 
was reported by school officials for disciplining their children with spankings. Their kids were removed for months before they were eventually returned to their home. And then in 14, they also reported another American mother who lost her son over a breastfeeding issue and hasn't seen him since 2014. Oh, man. That's insane. Yeah. Okay. We don't like what you're doing. Um, we're going to take your child from you. That's where's the social warriors, social justice people. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because reading that made me remember I had just got a notice in the mail that the school system, because we do homeschool and the school system for some reason doesn't have Tylee's immunization records, which I did send them with the thing. And it reminded me that somebody had said they hadn't reported their kid right or something with homeschooling. And so child services did come check, which is good. Like you should you shouldn't be able to just have these kids and uneducate them if you're not really educating them. But, Mm -hmm. you know, but it made me like, oh, man, I got to remember to get this in. So all of this, there's so much bad things in the news. I thought it'd be fun to find something nice and pleasant to hear mm-hmm. about. Nice. So there was a young man. He's 21 years old. He's a single dad, Trenton Lewis uh, in Arkansas, I believe. He, he worked at UPS at 4 a.m. Uh-huh. was his shift, right? Ouch. He walked to his job 11 miles every <laughs> morning to get there. Oh. Okay. So he said he never told anyone. He just said, you know, it's my job to provide for my baby. He's 14 month old little girl. So he just did it. He never told his coworkers. He just got up at the break of dawn before dawn, you know, to walk and his coworkers found out and they, um, they wanted to raise money. So they secretly kind of got people to pitch in. They raised about $2,000 and then they called him to a meeting and they said, yeah, you know, could we have you come to this meeting. And so at this meeting, he shows up, they surprised him. They bought him a 2006 Saturn Ion. And (laughs) so he's got a car now he can drive and provide for his little girl. And they just, yeah, they were very shocked when they found out that he never said anything. And, you know, and you don't know where people are at, but I just thought it was neat. His quote was, God always has something for you. You know, he (laughs) knew it was his job to provide and he did whatever it took. And yeah, and then he was repaid. I thought that was great. That is cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep, good things happen in the world. Yes. We need to remember that. Uh, this is this is also interesting. This caught my attention this week, and I think it probably caught a lot of people's attention. Joy Behar on The View mm-hmm. comparing Pence's religion to mental illness. Yeah. And... I literally was not even going to play this. I was like, this is, this makes me mad, but I didn't even want to give the view the time of day on this little podcast with like (laughs) four listeners. I still did not even want to give them the time of day because they are so dumb and they say the dumbest, most offensive things all the time. They're as far left as you can humanly be. And I was like, yeah, this, it's just, I didn't even want to give them the time of day, but Pence responded to it. And so I thought, you know what? I will give him the time of day to stand up for Christianity. And he does. A very good response. Yeah, he does a good job. So it was. So I want to play a couple clips of that. Uh, I'm going to start with Fox News because they 
show a little bit of Joy Behar's comments, and then they just annihilate her, which is awesome. And he says, one of the guys says exactly how I feel, so just check it out. It's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. Exactly. Okay, well, that's different. if I'm not correct. My question is, can I talk to Mary Magdalene without his wife in the room? (laughs) It's another thing when Jesus talks to you, that's called mental illness. That was uh, Joy Behar yesterday on The View. They were responding to a clip from Amorosa uh, where she was talking about her time at the White House and she said that uh, Mike Pence said Jesus tells him to say things and that's what precipitated that conversation. Yeah, I'm kind of um, torn about keep your rolling clips of the view because we're making it relevant again. I like life when for five years we ignored the view. You aren't interested in the crazy things they say to Not America? Not really, because we give them ratings and they stay on television. Well, let's uh, ask Tommy. Tommy Laren, she's a Fox News contributor. She's been following this story. We wanted to have you on to get your opinion about it. What do you think about Joy Behar mocking the vice president for his Christian faith? This is awesome. She just lays into her. It is so good. Well, who is she to judge how often our vice president should speak to his Lord and Savior? Who is she to mock anyone for their faith? These people are really, really amazing to me because they preach day in and day out about tolerance and love, tolerance and love for everyone except conservative Christians. And then they can mock you and it's funny and you're something that they can use for their jokes around the table and they can all cackle about it. It's really disgusting, not surprising, but disgusting. If you want Joy Behar to be quiet, just say that maybe someone is speaking to Allah and Allah talks back. She would not be mocking that. No, of course not. And that's exactly the thing with these ladies is that in the next segment, they'll probably talk about how horrible our president and our vice president is. But in the segment prior to that, they mock Christians. Again, they live in a world where men can be women, women can be men. But if you're a conservative Christian, you have a mental illness. There's something wrong with the women at that table, for sure. You know, I just felt sorry for her. As a Christian, obviously, she doesn't know Christ. She doesn't know the joy and the love that, that he provides to so many people. That's on the news. I like yeah, it. You know, that is good. I'm not always a fan of the news, but at least somebody's standing up for it and calling out the uh, hypocriticalness of this whole intolerance and tolerance yeah. movement. It's ridiculous. And then we have uh, Pence's response, which I cut clipped for brevity, but I got his main points. This is his clip one. Well, I, 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 I actually heard that ABC has a program that compared my Christianity to mental illness. And I'd like to laugh about it, but I really can't. I mean, Mike, I'm a believer. Tens of millions of Americans today will have ash on their foreheads to mark the beginning of Lent. Overwhelming majority of Americans cherish their faith. And we have all different types of faith in this country. But I have to tell you, to have ABC maintain a broadcast forum that compared Christianity to mental illness is just wrong. And it's an insult not to me, but to the vast majority of the American people who, like me, cherish their faith. Yeah, I think that's one thing that The View and Hollywood in general does not acknowledge. The vast majority of America and the world has faith. Yeah. And I think I like that he takes it seriously. You know, he Mm -hmm. says, I'd like to take this lightly. And sometimes I think that when things are in the news and media, it 
gets balled into kind of entertainment. This isn't real life. You know, and he's saying, no, this is serious. She's just offended so many people. Mm-hmm. She's offended God, you know, in just her mocking. So, yeah, I just I appreciate him matching the tone of the seriousness. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I just love them. That girl just totally calls them out. It was, calls them disgusting and everything. Here's Pence's, uh, the ending to his response. But I just think it, it demonstrates how out of touch some in the mainstream media are with the faith and values of the American people, that you could have a major network like ABC permit a forum for invective against religion. And I, I call them out on it, not because of what was said about me, but it's just simply wrong uh, for ABC uh, to have a television program that expresses that kind of religious intolerance. Uh, I, I, we're better than that. I like that his response isn't about him or his embarrassment. Like, he's grieved by the situation and how it affects the people he's representing as vice president. Mm-hmm. It is kind of sad that, you know, you expect if this happened to, say, the black community or if it happened to the gay community, there would be an uproar in that community. And as Christians, yeah. we don't do that, you know? And mm-hmm. is it because... You know, is it because we're complacent? Is it because we understand that we don't need to throw a temper tantrum every time somebody offends us? Yeah. Like, you know, and I always have... our battle is is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual principalities. Yeah. Yeah. There And there's a maturity, like, in that where he just is like, okay, yeah, this is how the world is. And he understands that. And at the same time, like you said, he's being mature about it, but he's also not really giving them the time of the day you know, to make their thing more than it is, boost their ratings. That's all they wanted this for, is to boost their ratings, and they do this kind of stuff hoping that something will go viral or whatever. Well, he just is kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of heard about that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He just kind of gives a little assent. Yeah. <laughs> I heard about the chickens clucking in the hen house. <laughs> yeah, and just pointing out it is serious in its implications, but it's just shedding light, like he says, on – how out of touch they are with America. either, yeah, the majority of America. Yeah, for sure. He handled it well. I like it. Uh, it is time for a commercial break. We're going to hear a word from our sponsor. You know, this was me five years ago, and it's still me. But I confess I'm a waistline watcher from way back. Well, that's enough for today. Now for a lively lift. Ice-cold Coca-Cola. There's no waistline worry with Coke, you know. Actually, this individual size bottle has no more calories than half a grapefruit. Mmm, another thing, the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Coke's a natural, wholesome blending of pure food flavors. I guess that's why everyone likes the refreshing new feeling you get, only from not-too-sweet Coca-Cola. Oh, and remember, Coke is low in calories, too. Say, now, don't you get any thinner. <laughs> don't you get any thinner <laughs> yeah i like she Watch compares out. coke that was a real commercial oh, real from commercial from like i think the 50s oh, for my. coke it just shows you their lies and agenda it's just hilarious yeah. compared it to grapefruit it's a dieting plan it's wholesome pure food and low in calories well it's pure food <laughs> flavors <laughs> i know but that's what they want you to think is pure food i just love that pure food flavors, flavors. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Oh, I know. It's good to... Grab your Coke and slim down. Yep. On your way to the gym. Diet plan. Oh, man. I got a song for music and movies. All right. I love this song. It is so good. Are you going to sing yours? Yeah, I'm going to sing it. Okay, (laughs) good. Me, 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 me. I sang this for a night of worship we did a couple months back at church, and I've posted it online, and I've seen also some of the comments under under it, like maybe on YouTube or something, and it's astounding to me how people can attack something that comes straight out of the Bible. You know, Shane and Shane, they read the Bible, they write songs. They don't really make up their own kind of lyrics so much. Well, their one whole CD is Psalms. Many, a couple Just of the their songs. CDs are yeah. called Psalms, and yeah. most of their songs that they write are literally just taken quotes from the Bible. And this song... Do you ever, when you're reading the Psalms, I do this all the time, all of a sudden I'll like break into a Shane and Shane song because yeah. I hit and I'm like, that's the verse. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know. They're so good. Um, I just wanted to play it because I love it. Super biblical. This is how we should be thinking. It's like the exact opposite of the prosperity gospel, but this is the true biblical thinking. This is the kind of song that you're going to sing after you read the Bible, after when you're in those hard times. So instead of like, this song would never make it to radio, let's put it that way. But this is the true positive and encouraging songs. Yeah. This is deeply encouraging. Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. It's so good. Straight out of Job. That's good. Wow. Yeah. It's hard not to keep listening, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't really want to get in trouble for some copyright infringement. Right? Just, I mean, you're promoting the song. <laughs> yeah. I know they wouldn't care. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was, I was going to see if I could find like the bridge or something. You're oh, yep. This is it. For me. Not only is all your affliction momentary, not only is all your affliction light. Oh, yeah, they put Piper in this version, preaching from the Bible about suffering. All your affliction 
light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you've got cancer at 40, when a car careens into the sidewalk and takes her out, don't say, it's meaningless. It's not. It's working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart, but take these truths and day by day, focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach his word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for. Love that song. Yeah, it's so good. It's so helpful when you have songs like that that bring you back to the truth, that bring you back to what the Bible is really saying. Because if you're just living with a mindset of live your best life now type of thing, or just being blessed, being healthy, all of that, when things that are hard happen, you see how and you see how empty those words are. Mm Mm-hmm. Where when you get this truth, it doesn't alleviate the pain, but there's a peace in that knowing God is part of it. God is working all of this. And, you know, even just he says, you break me down. Like, it's all like God is doing this and he's working it and mm-hmm. not falsely putting it in other places. And yeah, Like a parent to a child, not mm-hmm. like the devil trying to ruin us. And you no. do it. I love the line. He says, you do it all for love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can rest in that. You can have trust in, I don't see, I don't understand. But His I trust ways you. are not our ways. Mm-hmm. And we can't understand. It's a mystery. And they're above our ways. They end better than our ways would end. Mm-hmm. And they're so, they're so much fuller. This is actually relates to a comment that I wanted to make on the last show about Christian music, how I talked about there being a false conversion or a a sense in which the music solidifies false conversion. And I basically just wanted to say that there is certainly a place for positive, encouraging 
in quote marks, Christian music, because that's actually a genre of music. <laughs> like, it's not even just that this song is positive and encouraging, which this song, Though You Slay Me, is encouraging in the sense you said. Mm-hmm. But there's a genre where the the demographic the music is speaking to is a broken person who is going through an incredibly difficult time. Maybe it's a divorce or somebody's dying or their finances or et cetera. They're having a hardship. And then the music just says fluffy stuff like God is here for you, you know, keep going, stuff like that. It's just positive and encouraging in a secular kind of psychological kind of way. But there is a place for that music, but it's after you have the right theology. If you have correct theology, then that music works for you. But when you don't have the correct theology, that song only contains a portion of the truth. It might be true, but it's only a portion of the truth of what it's saying about God and you. Um, But it's not the full story. When we have half the story, God is all loving, then we can be falsely comforted during times of our sin, our rebellion. We can be going through difficult situations that's even caused by us or things that we're doing. And we think that God is pleased with us or helping us in those situations in the way we're living. Like he's endorsing it. Um, But there's another side. God hates sin. He hates rebellion. Um, So when we think he's pleased with how we're living or something like that, it's confusing and it it doesn't even work. So there's also the side where God cares how we obey, that we obey his commands. So when we take in the whole account, the whole character of God, the fact that God may cause discomfort or suffering or things like that to us, then it's beneficial to listen to those things and we can worship God fully in them. But it's not until that point, because otherwise it just encourages us to live however we want Mm -hmm. and to go through whatever we want. I think that's really good. I think it is the comparison of those things can be used as bricks, but your foundation is what matters for how sturdy those bricks are going to be. Yep. They're one brick on the foundation. They're not the foundation. They Mm -hmm. shouldn't be your foundation. And so if your foundation is solid, then yeah, they just accent. They're like little accent jewels or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and they make it look pretty and they make it nice. And yeah. So this leads us into our quote of the day. Discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it is telling the difference between right and almost right. That's similar to music. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It leads us into our Christian article that we've been going through. We went through point one. Now this is point two. Is Christian radio of the devil? Well, no, (laughs) you don't have to answer that question. Uh, Question number two. Am I submitting to teaching without accountability. At first, I thought he meant like, are we being accountable to the teaching? Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But what I think he's meaning, because he's not super clear in the little definition, but I still want to go through all these questions because they're good, is he's saying, is the ministry you're hearing from accountable to Mm -hmm. someone, to the Bible, to God? What's sure. their accountability? Some renegade. Yeah. Lone Ranger. Cult leader. Cult leader. And the making. <laughs> yeah, because people listen to them not knowing. 
Uh, so he says, but you say I can check their financial integrity of a nonprofit, you know, stuff like that. Accountability is not merely fact checking or financial. More importantly, Paul's tell Timothy that relationships are intrinsic to part as part of the message. Uh, he says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men, second Timothy. So here Paul is speaking to his friend whom he personally taught. Indeed, that Timothy was taught in person is the key point for Paul. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it. Whom? Knowing from whom you've learned it. 2 Timothy 3.14 mm-hmm. It's not just that you learned it. It's who did you learn it from? There was yeah. so many false teachers at the time, and there are today. And there's different weight. You know, you hear, oh, okay, this sweet little church lady who plays the piano gave me this advice, mm-hmm. and that you're going to use that differently in your life than my pastor told me this, you know, because the pastor should have more authority and yeah. should have more backing theologically and all of that. That piano lady could give you good advice, but I think, you know, knowing whom you learned it is going to really help you give that weight. Yeah, where the elder has an authority to speak into your life and tell you things that you need to stop doing, sinning, Mm -hmm. and even help you in things that you should be doing, even though the vast majority of people today don't listen to their elders that way. They They would be shocked to have an elder tell them something to do. Um, In the Bible, I love this. Uh, you know, now we have this sense like, oh, God called me to be a missionary, so I need to go be a missionary, despite what the church says. Right. So if the church is saying, you know what, you're immature, you're not ready, etc., they'll say it nicer, <laughs> but they should say it. That's essentially what they're saying. Um, you'll just bucket that and say, oh, well, I'm going anyway. God's, I'm, God's me. called me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reverse is true where... If you were sitting in the pew and you were afraid to be a missionary and an elder approached you and said, you need to be a missionary, our Mm -hmm. church is going to send you out. They would bucket that too. Like, what? Are you kidding me? You can't tell me what to do. Yeah. Yet that's how they did it in the Bible. Yeah. They chose people from the congregation to go out. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a willingness. Yeah. But there should be that willingness anyway as a Christian. Of seeing that they're, I think just that whole submitting to authority and that God uses authority and those people understand that and they say, okay, that's what you see as best. You know, just like a parent, we talked about that before, you're going to send your own children out and say, okay, you are really good at this. You should do this or. Yeah. Yeah. So who you're listening to is vastly important and you cannot get that kind of a thing from a podcast. Right. You cannot get that authority from John Piper. He's not your elder. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. don't have to submit to him in the way that you need to submit to your elders that are face-to-face with you. They're in your church. They're over you, guarding your very soul. Mm -hmm. The podcaster is not guarding your soul. Hopefully, we're helping and we're encouraging and we're a supplement to that. Yeah, and hopefully we're giving something that you can even take to your pastor, to your elder, and say, you know, 
I this heard is, this and, you know, how does this fit in my life or yep. how does this affect us as a church? Yeah. yeah. We want good teaching. We want solid teaching, but there isn't the same type of authority that we listen to. And so what he's saying, too, is there's all these people on YouTube and all these people, they're just ranting. They're like, oh, yeah, you got to leave the church. God's calling me to leave the church. Jesus is talking to me. Literally, there is a literal YouTube channel of a guy who believes that Jesus is calling everybody out of the church. Mm. That's exactly against what we just learned in the last episode. Right. The church is the bride of Christ. He's not calling us to divorce Christ because we're the bride of Christ. That's just crazy. You, you clearly do not read scripture and do not hold scripture in the same authority. You are holding whatever you think voices are telling you in your head above the Bible. You're holding that authority above the Bible. That's Yeah, that's dangerous. Very dangerous. So he's saying, we don't just pick some YouTuber who says Jesus is talking to them and we start following them. It's crazy. So I have a clip here of Francis Chan talking about sound doctrine. He tells Timothy, look, in the last days, a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Where he goes, Timothy, there's gonna be a time when no one puts up with this but you. As for you, let them go. They're gonna go and, and, and they're gonna just find a teacher to tell them what they want to hear. Why? Because they're a lover of pleasure. If they wanna get divorced, they'll find someone with a PhD to tell them it's okay to divorce. If they wanna have sex outside of marriage, they'll find someone with a PhD to explain to them, oh no, no, this is okay. If they want to be greedy and spend all the money on themselves and neglect this mission to reach the unreached around the world, they'll find someone with a PhD to explain to them why it's okay for us to just sit and bask in all of his blessings. We'll just find someone to tell us whatever we want to hear. You want to abort your child? You want to marry someone of the same sex? I'll, I'll, I'll find you a teacher, Christian, PhD. I'll tell you it's fine. You want to stop believing in hell? I'll find you someone. The PhD will tell you that. You want to just believe that there's no punishment, that God's a God of love and only love, and there's no wrath, there's no judgment to come? There's plenty of books about that. What, what do you want to believe? What's your pleasure? What, what would you like? I'll find you a teacher to give you that. But Paul tells Timothy, don't you be one of those guys. You know what this book says. You preach it. You lay it out there. Now's the time to stay the course. Now this time is to stay strong because the time's coming. People are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, not lovers of God. The internet today, too, makes that so easy to find someone who agrees with what you want. And you can even say you're genuinely seeking truth, but something that goes against what you really want to hear is going to make you bristle and you are going to discredit that person because you don't have that accountability mm -hmm. like that article was talking about. And so many of them um, have weird views of scripture and that's underlying all of their advice on this YouTube stuff and other places. So when you don't know who you're listening to, you get all kinds of crazy people. Uh, so 
there's this great article, Tony Rinke, we just came across that is a really helpful guide, I think, for when you're listening to people. Because like we had a friend recently who said they they were listening to this pastor and the sermons and stuff from this pastor. And when we heard who it was, we immediately Googled them because, well, we care who we listen to. And we're like, wow, it kind of surprises us that this person is listening to this pastor. I wonder what the reason could be for that. And then shortly after that, uh, they came to Miranda and said, oh, yeah, well, I don't really listen to that person anymore because I found out they were, you know, believed this and that. (laughs) It's like, exactly. (laughs) Why were you listening in the first place? You should have Googled them immediately. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I even, I mean, we'll get to the questions to kind of frame it yourself, but until we develop some of those skills of discernment, like one of my first things too I do is I Google or I'll even search within somebody else's website that person's name to see what mm-hmm. kind of tone is coming up when that person's talked about, you know, are they saying, watch out for this guy? Or are they posting articles also by that person? And then they're kind of giving their stamp of approval. Mm-hmm. What Miranda and I used to say in college was chapter and verse, please. Chapter and verse. Where is that in the Bible? So this is another, that's an important thing. And not only where is it in the Bible, but the reason we say chapter and not just verse is because what is that in context? I mean, yeah, you're saying something and sure, you might be saying something that's in the Bible. Um, like God wants to murder everybody. That's just crazy, you know? And you might find some verse that sounds like that, and then the pastor is just saying that. But what does it mean in context? Was that just a story that was happening in the past, in history? Or is it a command for us? You know, you have to read it in the context and see who's talking and who they're talking to and why they're saying it. So this article, three questions to ask before listening to any sermon. As an active listener, we quickly see the world is full of variant gospels. And every preacher, writer, and artist has a message of salvation. So basically, we need to be careful. Uh, they're also helpful inside your church of maybe your pastor or the sermon. Are you sitting under godly teaching? You can ask these questions. The first one, how am I saved? How am I saved in the message that this person is presenting? What am I saved from? Number two, What am I saved for is number three. So how am I saved? What am I saved from? And what am I saved for? Those are the questions, the simple questions to ask of any sermon. The article presents four common answers, which I think are really good and important to keep in mind to know what you're not listening for. You're not listening for the therapeutic gospel. We're saved by becoming self-authenticated and affirmed and a better person, right? We're saved from self-destructive negativity and we're saved for self-confidence to be a better person, right? That's the therapeutic gospel. That's not in the Bible. Uh, Number two, you'll hear a prosperity gospel. We're saved by faith that produces health and wealth. And you'll, you'll hear this, the more faith you have, the more X will happen to you. Gold coins will fall down. Yeah, gold coins will come in your pockets. You'll reach your hand in your pocket and boom, pull out a $20 bill. The more faith you have, okay, no, you're given a measure of faith, the Bible says, the same 
faith for salvation is the same faith that we have. The prosperity gospel, health and wealth, we're saved from poverty and financial heartache. We're saved to we're saved to enjoy financial abundance and health. We're saved to enjoy a full bill of health. They are distorting the gospel. He is a pagan. <laughs> this is a religion, Bill. This is a secular religion. You have to believe. Uh, number three, you will hear a brokenness gospel. This one is especially deceiving. It sounds good because there is. Because it sounds humble. Yep, sounds humble. There is a brokenness that we must have mm-hmm. as a believer. Um, just like there's faith, we must have faith. And, you know, we do love others and love ourselves and we have self-confidence. So it, it sounds right. Well, this is like our quote. We didn't even talk say, about it's our like quote. like the quote of the day. Yeah, yeah, the quote of the day. Discernment isn't just knowing right from wrong. It's knowing right from almost right. Yeah. And that's where some of these stop at, the almost part. Yep. They are almost right, but they don't continue into the fullness. Number four, you'll, oh, I'm sorry, number three, you'll hear a brokenness gospel. We are saved by releasing ourselves from the memory of old sins. This is very popular among psychologists and counselors. We're saved from feeling bad about ourselves, and we're saved to live whole again. That's the message you'll hear underlying the stuff that they're preaching. Okay, number four, you'll hear an attention gospel. We're saved by remembering God more mindfully. We're saved from ignoring that God exists, and we're saved to live more conscious of God. These are just false variants on the gospel. They're not the whole truth. They're just fragments of the truth. The biblical answers to these questions are a little longer, but they're so good. Number one, we're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by God, by his grace, through our faith in the wrath-absorbing death of Jesus Christ on the cross and justified in his resurrection as a substitute for us, the rebel lawbreakers. If you have anything less than that, then you have a fragment of the gospel. Uh, Number two, we're saved from, this is what I really love. We are saved from a holy God. That really stuck out to me because I don't think of being saved from God. You're like, oh, I'm saved from sin. I'm saved from hell. You're saved from God's wrath, which is hell. Yeah. We are saved from a holy God, from his righteous wrath poured out eternally on every sinner who has disgraced his glory. This is exactly the message we're trying to bring here. We are not listening to an American version of the gospel. We need to listen to the Bible's version of the gospel. The Bible says that we are saved from a holy God, from God. He is the one who cursed the earth. The devil didn't curse the earth. Right. God cursed the earth. Uh, Number three, we're saved to have peace with God. That same God who has his wrath poured out and ready for the unbeliever. We're saved to have peace with that God, to be holy to be gathered among God's people who live and love and who magnify God by treasuring Christ 
and enjoying him above everything in this world and the next. So we got to remember, there is an element, even though we do not believe in works righteousness, we are not saved by our works. After we are saved, we are called to obedience. We are called to holiness. So we are supposed to live in a glorifying way. So that's what we have. We have saved by grace, saved from God, and we're saved to have peace and be reconciled with God. That's good. Mm -hmm. Good, good. That's really good. And I like, too, in the article, he talks about we always face a challenge of gospel drift. He says, a gospel that imperceptibly glides into language that makes the answer of these three vital questions clouded and obscure. And he says that this requires attentiveness. Until we don't float into a what he calls a hunch gospel. So it's Christian jargon, and it really is just aiming at self-actualization of goals and satisfying felt needs. Mm. And I think that felt needs is so important because that's what I think we find on a lot of Christian radio yeah. is that felt need to just be encouraged. Like, don't tell me the truth that God's doing this to me. I'm that, That'll make me feel bad. Mm-hmm. Don't let me believe that God wants this for me. But the truth is that God is doing good works through those things, and there is a piece in that. And he may or may not want that particular you know, episode to be happening to right. you, but yeah, through it all, he has a plan. He's working for it. He's allowing it, whether you believe he's causing it or not, he is allowing it, and mm-hmm. he is working it for your good. Yeah. Uh, He has a quote here that I want to read. This discernment, so after we ask ourselves these questions over and over um, when we're listening to things, this discernment will serve you well when life forces you to whittle down your podcast, sermon subscriptions, Mm -hmm. your blogs, your music library, or your reading list. If you ask these questions long enough, a pattern will emerge, and it's going to help discern what you're listening to, and guess what? You're going to whittle down your podcast subscriptions. You're going to limit your blog intake. You're going to dwindle down your music library and your reading list because it's going to eliminate some unhelpful, unbiblical teaching that you're listening to. Just like the lies of the enemy can seep in, half-truths can seep into our minds, and then we don't realize that we're believing them as the end-all, be-all of what Christianity means. And when we get into situations that are bigger, where this matters more, it's harder to sift through those things because you're believing, well, God is just for me and he wants me to be happy. Well, I'm not happy at home parenting my children who are not listening to me. Yeah. You know, and then it can be confusing and you can think, well, so God's plan for me is to go out, you know, and to get a job yeah. or, you know. Yeah. So Be fulfilled in your career and you're going to start listening to podcasts and Christian preachers who support that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we can do the whole caveat. God might have a place. It's not wrong for women to work, all of that. But the truth is there's a blessing in the home. And so if you are at home and that's the place that you and your husband have decided is best for you, then you need to be cultivating a heart that's thankful for where God has placed you, whether Mm -hmm. it's in the home or whether it's working. Yeah. One other point, I think he makes a good point. He says that Not every song, every sermon, every book is going to answer the questions in equal measure every time. Mm -hmm. And so like you said, there's a pattern. As you listen, listen for the pattern. What are these questions? How are they really being answered? 
over time, what is, yeah, what are you get, getting from that? And you can ask these questions on a deeper level to the speaker, to the writer, to the author, whoever's delivering the message. Say, what does this person believe? I mean, because then you're not necessarily asking it of every single sermon, but you can eliminate the entire sermon library if the sure. pastor you're listening to believes in a therapeutic gospel yeah. or a health, wealth, prosperity gospel. You can just be like, okay, you know what? I don't need to listen to this because he doesn't understand what the Bible says about Jesus. If we love God, then we will hate the world and the world will really hate us. So how much does the world love you? How much do you love the world? Because there should be a massive separation there, and we want to love those people and call them to true faith and repentance, but we do not want to enjoy what they enjoy and love the things they love and partake in the things that they're partaking of. When we ask these questions of the things we're listening to, we're going to start to narrow that down and listen to more godly, biblically-centered things. Yeah, and like he says, too, the skill of discernment is learning to reject what is false or flimsy. But more importantly, it's also you're eager to embrace what's precious, what is true, what is pure, and then you can earnestly celebrate it. And I think we think it's all about just shunning the evil and shunning the heretic. And no, it's about celebrating the truth of the Bible because that's what sustains. That's what fills us. And that's what's going to bring us true, lasting change and and a fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. Love it. Let's leave on that note. I think we've hammered the point enough. (laughs) (laughs) So until next week, ascribe God his glory and declare his marvelous works. (laughs) 